A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slug, Stardate, what fucking ever, who cares? Uh, these are the ongoing voyages of Mark and Eddie as we trek our way through all of Star Trek. I'm Eddie Edwards, I'm joined as always by Mark O'Neill. Mark, how, how you doing? How you, how you feeling today? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty well, man. I'm uh, in my pyjamas. <laughs> haven't, haven't had a lot on. Got a lot of work done yesterday. I don't know what, I don't know what you want from me, mate. I, I, like, uh, I, I mean, I... I I was hoping that you'd be in the right patriotic fervour of celebrating our glorious majesty's many years of reigning over us, Mark. Oh, I... <laughs> like, I honestly, I couldn't bring myself to give a fuck if they gave out free tenors for doing so. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot get my head around the mentality of people celebrating 70 years of being the subject yeah. If, the, if that's what you're into, come around mine. You can be my subject. I'll make you do shit. Uh, yeah. You can you can pay money towards getting my nuts son off of fucking charges. <laughs> yeah. There's. I was I was talking to my mum about it recently, and she was saying that the the older Protestant members of my family, um, on on that side, there's very few Protestants on the Catholic <laughs> side of the family, but the older Protestant. Members of my family were very like. Well, first of all, the no one talks about politics, right? It's just it's it's uncouth. It's not done. No one speaks of politics. They'll fucking moan that there's too many foreigners, but that's not politics. That's that's what they call common sense or or whatever. Um, and and also apparently that extends to the Queen. My mum, who's a lot like me, likes to ask questions and. Uh, Pull, pull, occasionally pull the pin off of opinion grenades. Um, <laughs> once sat down with her uncle, my great uncle Reg, uh, and asked, you know, and Manny Anna, what's what's with the Queen? What does she actually do? And she got basically shut down by just she's she's your Queen. Don't. So you're not you're not allowed to you're not allowed to bring up the merits of the royalty um, around members <laughs> of my family. Which if you've been listening to this. And like keeping up with my family dramas, and you and you've got the bingo card of things you can't really speak about in family gatherings when it comes to Mark's family. You might be getting to the point where you're like, "Well, what do they fucking talk about?" And I've been asking myself that question for thirty three years. I, I I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if if you put if you put t- twelve members of my family in front of me that weren't like my immediate like brother and parents and said, name a single thing that any one of these people is passionate about. Could See, that's the thing. It's it. always the, the the people are always, oh, we, we don't like to talk about politics. Yeah, It's always like, okay, they're the exact same people who it's like, but you don't have a single fucking thing about you 
Yeah. That like, because I can, like, I'm one of those people, I have like a, at least a passing interest in a lot of very broad things. Like in my time, like I've, I've fallen down rabbit holes on Wikipedia. I've like gotten into weird things. There was a period where I watched the boat race on the TV for like three <laughs> yeah. years on the trot for no fucking reason. Yeah. So I know enough of like weird stuff that if somebody was just like, oh, I'm really into like, if somebody said like, casually, oh, I'm just really into like rowing, I could be like, oh yeah, no, it's like Steve Redgrave, probably the world's greatest Olympian. I could probably bullshit and have a genuine conversation for like 20 minutes with somebody on that. But the people who say, oh, we don't talk about politics. And it's like, what do you talk about? And it's just like, this is the, so, the, the, they talk about two things, which is the minute drama that's going on in the lives of people you've never met <laughs> and don't care about, or the exact same thing, but this time it's characters on EastEnders or Corinth. <laughs> I, I I don't get it, man. And it, it 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 like sometimes I listen back to these and think, am I am I the dick? But <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Because it, it is the thing of as you said, I can kind of really have a conversation with anyone. Because as as much as I occasionally come off as a misanthropic narcissistic prick, I am actually quite good at asking people questions about themselves, and I am interested. But the problem is, I. Like, if I'd met that guy who talked about the boat race, I know nothing about boats, but I like it when people are passionate about things and talk about them with yeah. a degree of, of interest. Interested is interesting, right? So, Grant, I once spent three hours talking to some guy, not some guy, He was he was a he's a friend, he's like an ex-manager kind of in a pub, um, and we done the line cleaning, and for about three hours he told me, Right. He first, so he was he was on the spectrum, right? Um, he what he was very very high functioning, but there was occasions where you could tell. Oh, right. Okay, I, I get it now. And I asked him <laughs> during a line cleaning in a pub, why why is it Formula One? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, he might as well have gone get a fucking get a whiteboard, mate. But he sat there. I, I'm actually fairly into Formula One now. I, I actually quite enjoy watching it. Um, but he, uh, this was before that, and I swear to God, man, it was three hours enraptured <laughs> by this guy explaining <laughs> to me what the difference is between Formula One and Formula Two. I can't remember because I'm also very much a live in the moment type person. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I, I just it was it was nice for him to fucking go off on one. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, if you if you don't have one of those things, then I don't I don't know how to communicate with you. And for most people, yeah. if you don't have one of those things, at the very least, I think I can usually get a good conversation out of just fuck the Tories. And if you're not willing to have that conversation with me, then I don't know I don't yeah. know what to do. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to talk to people who don't think it's a stupid idea to spend twelve million sending out a platinum jubilee book to every school in Britain and not use that money to you know feed all those starving kids that we've got but yeah I, uh. my my <laughs> mum was talking to my cousin um and and i can't remember what the initial conversation was but she she had to explain something about politics um and she's and, and as i met i think even as a maybe as a metaphor she went so you remember 9 11 no my cousin is <laughs> in their 30s <laughs> It's like, it's like I get not everybody watched Avengers, but you were aware that it happened, right? Like it was on the TV. They've almost certainly never yeah. seen it. 
Yeah. Yeah, but they but they must be aware. Like there's and that's the same thing. Like if for those who those who are younger and are listening to this and didn't live through nine eleven, it was very much like the Avengers coming out. When we say um, live through nine eleven, by the way. Yeah, just like in general, <laughs> exist at the we same time as. Yeah, we weren't there. The closest I got is I was I was I was as far as anyone is aware, world. we weren't there. No, the closest I've got is I was on top of the World Trade Center in February of the same year. That's it. How many times have you told <laughs> that story? <laughs> it's the closest I've got to a major historical event in my entire life. <laughs> How often do you get the opportunity to bring it up? Uh, not that frequently. Do you ever try to engineer conversations towards it? If if normally, if I'm going to engineer a conversation towards 9-11, it's not for a story, it's for a joke. Uh. <laughs> Have you ever sat down and there's been a lull in a conversation and you've turned to the person next to you and went, what is the shortest amount of time you have ever been a place that subsequently ended up having a disaster, natural or otherwise? And did they then roll their eyes and say, Eddie, I've already heard the story about the time that you were at 9-11. You, you were at 9-11. Um, you were, oh, uh, have you, this, I, I heard a, a new thing as well. Did you know that um, New York wants you to stop referring to it as Ground Zero? <laughs> Oh, does it? Yeah. And okay. th- th- this has been the case for like a decade. They, they want you to... Because <laughs> Ground Zero has a very specific meaning. It's it's about the the space underneath a nuclear explosion. And they're kind of worried about like future generations, like what they'll take from it. Because obviously language is pretty powerful. Yeah, but no, that's the, what you want though. Because you don't want... Right, here's what you don't want. You don't want like some future terrorist to be like, I can't wait till I set off this nuke in New York then they'll refer to the place I do it as ground zero and then be like be like, oh no actually there's no point doing it there I might as well choose a different city <laughs> fuck it Chicago have you uh, have you ever been to ground zero uh, yeah I have actually yeah so yeah. it's a head fuck it of is a, of a, yeah oh yeah it's, it's genuinely quite humbling right but um, my, my favourite thing about it my favourite thing about the, the disaster area that used, <laughs> used to be the World Trade Center um, is that they have um, where the buildings were? They've now dug fountains, giant fountains, the yeah. same dimensions as the two buildings, and they and they go down about. Must be, I have no I have no idea of distance. They they, they go down uh, somewhere between sixty to a thousand feet. I have no idea, right? Um, and around the edges, they have the of course the, the names of everybody that that, that died on nine eleven. Um, but I love that. New York is so prepared for uh, another uh, terrorist attack that they went, you know what the best defence uh, is of uh, planes flying into buildings? We're going to build fucking opposite buildings. Like, <laughs> like rather, than a, rather than a thing here, we are just going to have a space that goes down into the earth. You, you've take, reminded take that, me that, Islam. <laughs> <laughs> you've reminded me that of the story of the stupidest thing I've ever said out loud. Was, uh, so years and Thanks years ago, um, this is this is no, 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 this is you. You will love this. So years and years ago, I'm around uh, my mate's house. We're sat on his uh, PlayStation Two, or maybe it might have been GameCube, and we're playing Spider-Man Two. Right. Uh, the 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 game, which is fucking amazing, one of the best games ever. And I'm we're, we're playing a game where it's like web swing around the city for as long as possible without touching the floor. Uh, and I swing through this gap. And there's no buildings around me to web onto. And I said the phrase, 
whose stupid idea was it to put this big empty space in the middle of New York? <laughs> at, which, <laughs> at which point everybody in the room just turned to look at me. And somebody just, my mate John just very casually went, Al Qaeda's. <laughs> <laughs> As the camera pans down and it's like, oh yeah, that's Grand Zero. Yep. I feel like a. I feel like <laughs> can you that thing that we definitely remember happening? Happening. <laughs> can you can you visit um, uh, Ground Zero in the Spider-Man PS4 game? Uh, I can't remember. I so. You can go up one World Trade, but I'm 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 going to that, that's my re- that's my homework for later. I'm going to figure that. Out. <laughs> cool. I know you can go to the Wakandan Embassy, and <laughs> yeah. that's basically the same thing now. Chadwick's dead. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Twelve minutes into this episode of Star Trek, um, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about. I, I fucking hated this episode, Mark. I. Yeah, even even Laura <laughs> turned, turned to me and went, "That one, that one wasn't great." No, it's 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 called it's called the Schizoid Man. Some guy's dying, and he transfers his 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 terrible, shitty fucking personality into data. That's the plot of the episode, and it's a it, it, there's a point in this episode that offended me as a viewer. Where so at the like there's a reference early on to the Tin Man. And he references the song "If I Only," if I it was singing the Wizard of Oz song "If I Only Had a Heart" and all yep. that, right? Yeah, makes sense. And then sense. later on, in, and then later on, about halfway through the episode, like Data whistles the song, and that's supposed to be the big giveaway to us as the audience that he's transferred his personality. Yeah, and that offended me, Mark. I've literally got in my notes: Do the writers think we're thick? Because <laughs> it's so painfully painfully obvious that that's what's happened uh yeah 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 it's uh, yeah because we get a little music we get a little um cut to commercial musical sting yeah um at the same moment it's oh it's it's a it's a terrible literally the the episode goes oh uh, he's literally him going i'm learning to like download my um intelligence into a into a computer because I'm going to die. And yeah. Data, in a moment of fucking genius, goes, uh, "Oh, I feel sorry for you. Like I, I can't die. Well, I suppose I could be turned off because I've got this off switch." Uh... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like he does consider. Do- what is the fuck is the guy's name? Doctor Ives. Ira, Ira, Ira Graves. Ira Graves. He does consider Doctor Graves to be his granddad. And I've uh, I've sat down and, and had discussions about my mortal weaknesses with my <laughs> grandparents. Theirs theirs were a lot more um, present though, because mine were things like <laughs> disease and uh, nuclear war, and theirs were things like just well, they fucked it. They're, yeah, they're, they're they're already dead. Um. Yeah, he's he's basically he claims to be Data's grandpa because he says he's taught Noonien Singh, Sung, Doctor Sung, everything he fucking knows. Absolutely no That's, evidence whatsoever. Yeah, nothing to base that on. Um, we're told in a voiceover by Pulaski that apparently he's the greatest mind of it in the universe, but also he's been on a planet alone and nobody's spoken to him for like twenty years, <laughs> and nobody in the rest of the universe seems to care because he's a deeply unpleasant man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. 
did you uh, did you know that he the actor who played him W Morgan Shepherd uh, that actor is the father of Mark Shepherd who plays Crowley in Supernatural oh I did not know that there you go okay yeah he's also one uh, of these guys that is in like four different Star Treks oh okay he gives uh, Zachary Quinto grief at the uh, at the Vulcan Science Academy in oh, okay. uh, the 2009 movie I think it, I think in all those other shows he's intentionally supposed to be a piece of shit. Yeah. Whereas in this one, like the way everybody else talks about him is like we're supposed to have any respect. <laughs> like, it, if if you haven't been watching along with us and you're just listening to the podcast, I need to point out that this guy literally starts off as a funny joke about how doctors aren't people, and then parlays that into his very very real view that neither are women. Uh, yep. Which he says. To a woman's face. Uh, <laughs> Which is Im- impressive that he took the time to look up there. <laughs> yeah, this guy, I, I, so, so this, I, he's, is he space Donald Trump? Because there is an entire plot point about the fact that he's in love with his adopted daughter. Yeah. And he's a chauvinist and he's a narcissist. The only difference is he's actually smart. <laughs> and it's... Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything for that, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, you've, you've run that metaphor into the ground. We, we, where do you want me to go with that? That's, that's it. Um, uh, oh, I, t- let's talk about something fun. Data grows a beard. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It looks good. good. Looks good on him. Jordy makes fun of him. <laughs> even though Jordy grows a beard later. Yeah, Geordie's exact words, I believe, were, "Has so, did you damage your face? <laughs> now, there's a question I've got there. Is that just how Geordie sees beards? Like, as massive scar tissue? Or is it because he's thrown off by the fact that Data's stuntman hasn't grown a beard? <laughs> <laughs> do, you think, yeah, do you think he thinks Data's just been stung by a bee? He thinks Riker got replaced. <laughs> it's like who the fuck's this guy beards are the one weakness it's like our doctor who's solid screwdriver doesn't work on wood Geordie's visor doesn't work on beards <laughs> um, this episode starts it gets off to a bad start and just gets worse uh, because <laughs> the uh, the captain's log is delivered by Pulaski yeah yeah and then I thought for no reason oh it's a and I had a look on the like Netflix thing, and I saw, oh, a man who's dying. Oh, okay, it's going to be like a Pulaski yeah. heavy episode. But instead, they come up with a whole reason why Pulaski can't be there, and then this other doctor, Lieutenant Salar. Oh, a much a much better character. Yeah, beams yeah. down. Which, to be fair, it says a lot about how good a doctor Beverly Crusher is that it took at least two doctors to replace her. Because <laughs> um, as we know, when Bev was on board, though she was the only medical professional, there wasn't a single other one. So, Well, the thing is, you had to get in uh, Lieutenant Salar because Pulaski just flat out refused to treat half the crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she actually refers to Lieutenant Salar just as a vet. <laughs> what you don't know is like like it's out of shot whenever you see Pulaski in the uh, in the uh, sick bay but there's a little sign behind her that just says no blacks no Irish 
Uh, <laughs> Dogs welcome. <laughs> um, have you ever seen O'Brien in sick bay? No. Alex. <laughs> That's because that man, that man, that man lives on a on a pretty solid, pretty pretty solid Irish diet. Yeah, he's got a standing desk as well, so that's going to keep him healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I uh, don't give a fuck about this episode and don't really have anything to say about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I, it's another I have, I, have, I have one note, and the note is simply, ugh, Pulaski. <laughs> um, I just... Uh, I, this is... This is, an, this is well, I don't think you can skip this one because this one actually has something quite important. This episode has what I consider to be, and as we all know, my opinion is paramount, um, the first Picard speech, the first proper Picard speech. Yeah, it's, it's, it has a few... There are a few little things I noted down in here that do pop up as interesting points Yeah, that are sadly... So it's got that. It's also got the first time... That they correctly realise something's wrong with data, and at first say he should go to sick bay, and then suggest engineering because he's a fucking robot. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it also is the first episode where we canonically establish Worf's genuine seething hatred of the Romulan people. Um, yeah, which is like a major. There's a, there's an episode coming up where there's like they the the. <laughs> the Enterprise, you know, when they do like those episodes where it's like, oh, we're gonna have like a, a lesson where like they people like learn something about themselves and grow. There's an episode coming up where they like find a ship that's blowing up, and one of the like the survivors is a Romulan, and they beam him over, and he needs a blood transfusion to survive. And the only blood on the ship is, that is in any way like compatible with Romulans is apparently Klingons. So Worf needs to give him a blood transfusion, and Worf just says no. <laughs> like, and then like, there's a whole bit where I think he gets like a big speech to him about like, um, like would they like like somebody tries to talk him into it, and he's like, oh no, that's interesting, but they killed my parents. So no. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, I mean, like, do, what? Because <laughs> Romulans and Vulcans have a have a common ancestor. Yeah. So surely the bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess we'll get there when when there's no point. There's no point talking about a future episode. <laughs> Although there's so fucking yeah. little to say about this one. I suppose we could discuss the genuine, like, okay. I was just going to say we just fuck your stuff, just talk about something else. <laughs> can, I, can I say, say one See thing I want to discuss? Movies recently? Is, uh, yeah, um, yeah, so everything, everywhere, all at once. I've not it's, seen that uh, yet. It's a cinematic triumph. I've heard. Um, it could could be tw- do with being 20 minutes shorter. I also saw Top Gun Maverick. That's all right. Yeah. We've got to do more. We've got. To, uh, there's one thing. One thing I want to right. say about this. I think we can talk about. I think we can discuss this. If you were a genius, like a genuine genius, like a space genius, Mark, like right. one of the greatest minds in the galaxy, okay, and you'd put your body in a robot, wouldn't you attempt to at least behave slightly like that robot for at least a week? <laughs> um. <laughs> well, maybe. But the the thing is. What if, what if, Doc, what if Graves, like, because I guess he doesn't spend a whole lot of time with Data, so he doesn't really yeah. get a sense of what he's like as a person. What if he just assumes that as his grandson, 
he's just as lecherous as Graves is. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Yeah. Yeah, Troy, oh, we did answer a question we had last week, though. Because last week we had the discussion, not last week, when we were doing the um, the holodeck one. Yeah. One of the murderous holodeck episodes we've discussed. Um, Troy's like, oh, I can pick up, like, a sentient being in the holodeck. Yeah. And we were like, oh, could she read, like, Data's emotions if he had them? Yes. Yep. Apparently so. Turns out she's not been lying this whole time. Turns out she's good at it. The science of emotions in Star Trek is that no matter what you are, if you have them, they can detect them. You could put an emotion in a rock. She'd be like, that's a sad rock. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like literally, she's the only fucking person who sees. It's so obvious it's not him. And it's and the worst thing is, Mark, this is the second time that there's been an issue with data not being data and they didn't work it out. And you'd you'd think by this point they'd be aware enough of data's personality that like even if it came down to them thinking data hasn't been annoying recently. <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> On that note, yeah. Right. Data one of the running gags with data is data doesn't know when to stop talking and gets told to shut up. Okay. And um that is acceptable 90% of the time, okay? But I just want to say, it happens in this episode, whilst he's giving a eulogy. And Jean-Luc <laughs> Picard, like, I don't care if you don't agree with what's being said, Jean-Luc. You never interrupt somebody speaking at a funeral. No. Unless they've gone, unless they've gone off the deep end. Do you, like, know, unless... <laughs> do you know who else... Uh, do, I mean, do you know who had more manners than Picard? In that scene, the parents of the children that John Landis had killed during the filming of the Twilight Zone movie, when John Landis showed up to their funerals and un- and, and uninvited done a eulogy in which he talked about, first of all, when he went to Vic Morrow's and talked about how, how, how Vic had told him that this was his greatest acting role and how he was... Uh, Really, really happy that, 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 that Vic's greatest acting role got to be in his movie, even though so, allegedly his his actions may have have led to Vic Morrow being cut in half by a helicopter. But then he also went to the kids' <laughs> funerals and basically did the same thing. Now, obviously, now look, obviously those kids, right? They hadn't been in anything else, so technically that was their best performance. But you don't need to bring that up, John. <laughs> isn't it isn't no one it, interrupted it, them they just let him go on is it, <laughs> is it, isn't it surprising that John Landis's son Max Landis turned out to be a shit uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that when he comes from such good stock for those who don't know um, who are listening to this the first time John Landis murdered some children and I, I say that without worry of being sued because fuck you John Landis it's it's as close to true as you. Okay, he manslaughtered some children, but it's his fault. He told the he told he told the guy flying the helicopter, "You're not coming in low enough. It doesn't look good on shot. Come in lower." And he's like, "That's not safe." No, no, no. I choked the other guy. It's safe. He lied, uh, <laughs> and they came in and sliced two children apart. So, and uh, as as a as a man who who likes not being sued, I respect your opinion on that matter. <laughs> <laughs> and and for the Twilight Zone movie, yeah, like 
Like, okay, look, I'm, I don't mean to sound like a cunt, but like, if if I found out that four people had to die to bring us Ghostbusters, I'd be like, that's fair, right? <laughs> 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 like, it's just like, yeah, it's the only way we could get the consistency of the Marshmallow Man. We needed, we needed human blood and guts and shit. <laughs> um, John Landis, uh, back in 1980, well, it was either 80 or 81 when he was making an American Werewolf in London. Um, he, no, it must have been in 1980. Because he got Piccadilly Circus uh, shut down for filming. And they actually got to film in the road. And this was the first time in 15 years that this had happened in 1981. It then didn't happen again, as far as I am aware from all the evidence I've looked up, uh, until Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 in 2009. Now... The way that John Landis managed to get that done is that he literally bribed 300 police officers um, by getting them into an early, not with money, but by getting them into an early showing of the Blues Brothers. Now, Mark, I, 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 we've we've said a lot of a lot of outlandish things on this podcast, but are you suggesting the Metropolitan Police <laughs> would behave in unethical behaviour? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Who would have done it? He took them along to the uh, the funeral of those kids so they could beat up the mourners. Uh, <laughs> just get <getting> surprised. <laughs> well, the mourners the mourners were uh, foreign, so it just uh, <laughs> made sense. Yeah, this, uh, John Landis is is look. American Werewolf in London is one of my favourite movies, but John Landis is a genuinely terrible person. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. If you're not aware of this, I'm sorry that we brought this to your attention, but yeah, the guy's fucking awful. Oh, he's terrible. Uh, absolutely terrible because uh, because he has been in court to argue that it's not his fault that those kids died oh yeah uh, like to avoid paying out money which he has plenty of to the families of those dead kids so uh, and their families have probably never even watched the Twilight Zone movie so they haven't even got that <laughs> or if they have they didn't get past the first segment <laughs> Oh, imagine you fucking like. Oh, imagine like you're up late at night, like around like like you're in your teenage years. You're the younger brother of one of those kids, and you're like late night flicking through the channels because the movie still gets shown on TV. Big time, yeah. With no, yeah, with no fucking. Cause and that that's, not, that that segment is in it, right? Yeah, 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 it is. yeah. And that's just on the TV, and you just see that have a freak out moment, and like other people in the room are like, what, "What's fucking wrong with you, man?" And you have to be like, "That's literally the death of my brother." <laughs> <laughs> um. Have you, uh, what's the, because fuck this episode, um, what's the movie fact that you like to bring up every time that you see it? Like when, um, you, when you watch it with someone, like the, the, the famous one of course is, is uh, in, in Lord of the Rings, uh, when Aragorn kicks a helmet and then he screams, and it, 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 he, re- he really kicked a metal helmet and broke his toe. Uh, my my favourite movie fact is actually from that um, same movie and right. it's a similar one which is um, Sean Bean was scared of flying Yeah. so um, he decided to hike up the mountain one day in like his full gear as a sort of like oh I don't want to get in the helicopter Yeah. Um, but that, everybody knows that what, what largely gets unreported is that Vigo Mortensen did the same thing but he was doing it just to like weather in his costume <laughs> <laughs> I need that on a broken toe. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I've got a great music fact that I absolutely love. Yeah. 
which is my favourite music fact. Um, you know the song My Name Is by uh, Eminem? Yes. The song that that is sampled from, you know, the whole, the, the den, but then, but then, all of that. That song is, um, was uh, from a song that was, I can't remember the name of it, but the song was recorded in London in the 1970s. Yeah. And the, uh, the session musicians who are playing guitar and piano on that track are Chaz and Dave. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Right, now you're yeah. going to have to take a couple of minutes to explain to anybody under 25. <laughs> oh, right. okay. right. No, under okay. 30 and or American. What the fuck Chaz and Dave is? Chaz and Dave were a uh, UK musical act whose uh, whole thing was taking the style of the Cockney knees up uh, and turning it into a profitable business margin. Uh, the best way I can describe it to somebody who you might... This is a tenuous link and it's not going to help at all. They're kind of like a Cockney Wurzels, <laughs> which... It sounds like an explanation, but only if you know what the Wurzels are. And if you don't, it doesn't help. Because the I'm Wurzels really sure are, what really the is... are. Well, they're a West Country Chaz and Dave. Uh, oh, they've yeah. got songs like, I drove my tractor through your A-stack last night, ooh-ah, ooh uh, <laughs> and, Yeah, and Chaz and Dave had songs about, like, snooker uh, and a woman. Their, their biggest oh, hit yeah. is about a woman who wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, um, you're, not allowed, you're not allowed that type of music anymore. Um no, if you listen to Chaz and Dave, they'll put you in jail. Yeah, like straight in jail. Um, I don't have anything, yeah. mate. I, 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 I don't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, th- I think discussing this episode has just fucking bummed me out so much. I think it's the worst one we've watched. No, and it's, it's like definitely not. Okay, so let's see. It's not the most offensive. Yeah, because. At least, like, the the characters' views are not being represented as the views of the writers and Star Trek as a whole. Yeah. Like, the, 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 so it's not the most offensive. And it's not the worst acted, because that's still that one with the guy who was aging backwards. Yeah. But it might be the worst written. <clears throat> Maybe. Like, in terms of the script and structure. Like you say, it's got a good Picard speech at the end. Yeah. Which is essentially, you don't know... He, he keeps knocking people out and hurting people because he's trapped in a robot body and he tries to sleep with his adopted daughter. It's fucking weird. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I've always felt like I love you. And, and everybody and nobody is like, why? He's fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> um, um, oh, there's one thing we need, I do need to discuss though, Mark. Go for and it. I think it's an important point that this episode raises. Yeah. Because, right, Data's insane, they've decided. Yeah. Um, so they they go to the they go to the uh, engineering, and Geordie uses some sort of like light thing on him, and it's like no, all of his all of his like fine, his structure is fine, and because it's nineteen eighty like eight that whatever, effect was really fun. Yeah, it's a fun effect, but because it's nineteen eighty eight, they can't explain this in the easy way, which is there's nothing wrong with his hardware. Now we have to check his software, which is essentially so. Instead, they have to do a whole oh no, it's not physical, maybe it's psychological. Right, Mark, at this point, Troy takes data and administers him the psychotronic stability test, <laughs> which is apparently a device that fits over your head and they show you various images and it tracks your response and sees if you're mental or not. Yeah. And this is a st- apparently given to everyone before they join Starfleet. 
So right, yeah. How so, did the admirals so, get away with it? And is that's my question? Is like, is it like, is there like uh, too insane to like insane? Fine, too in, insane, too insane to join Starfleet, and then right at the end, you just get immediately promoted to admiral. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going straight to to West Point. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was it? I can't really remember because I'm. Um, what what were some of the some of the images? Uh, it was a lot of stuff from previous episodes. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, because they they didn't want to pay for any stock footage, so they went so footage. We're a yeah. we're a television show. We have uh, hundreds of hours of footage of of things that won't make any sense. And fire. I mean, it's the thing though. Like, at least like what I would have done is I would have gone to the fucking network and been like, well, what do we have the rights to? Yeah, shove that in there. Yeah, do that. But yeah, it's just a bunch of like pictures and images and stuff. Geordie pops up at one point, but the, that's that, that's, when that, it's... that's when Pulaski almost failed. <laughs> if it, like if it if it was a movie about a guy trying, if it was a movie about Pulaski trying to pass a polygraph test, that that be the moment where we cut to her hairline and see a single bead of sweat <laughs> just running down her face as she as she as she desperately tried to to keep it together. This this episode is the Pulaski of episodes. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. pointless and offensive, and I can't wait for it to be replaced in my mind with something much much better and more attractive. <laughs> um, he ends up he ends up on the he ends up backing himself on the ship's computer. He gets off of data, and again, this is a this is again it's an offensive moment to the, the viewer, where data wakes up on the ground because they turn him back on, and. He starts talking, and they instantly know he's data. They're like, "Oh, that's data. He's fine." But if you can instantly tell that that's data, how long? How comes it took you thirty fucking minutes of this fucking episode to work out it wasn't? Yeah. You useless pricks. Yeah, because again, what did you, what did you think it was? Did you think it was data going through fucking puberty? Well, he did grow that beard. If yeah. the beard had come in patchier, maybe they would have. <laughs> yeah, and also some it. some robot spots. What would? What would when you squeeze a robot spot? What would come out of it? Just, Oil. Yeah, a small microchip. <laughs> it would just, it would just, it would just cover. It would. It, sometimes, if you get a really, really good impacted one, and you squeeze it hard enough, it would just cover your mirrors in ones and zeros. <laughs> oh, they um. I say this, they do. They, where the guy ends up on the ship's computer, they're like, "Oh, the human element's gone. It's just all Lynn's knowledge." Yeah. Are you are you certain of that? Yeah. Are you familiar? Are you familiar, Mark, with the the plot of the of the science fiction book and point and click adventure? I have no mouth and I must scream. <laughs> uh, uh, only from the I've. It's a book that I've never looked into, but I've I've kind of put it together from. Uh, the title. <laughs> it remain. It remains to me. Okay, right. This is this is this is where I'm about to reveal my darkest fears. Um, I, I, this is the thing that genuinely, I stumbled across this as a concept a couple of years back, mm-hmm. and it basically stopped me having any hope for humanity's future. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. right. Okay. So the idea is that like there's loads of people all over the world working on creating AI. Okay. Mm-hmm. And nobody is doing that in, like, a fucking Faraday cage, um, like, away from the rest of the internet. And yeah. they're just doing it on, like, normal computers and stuff. And somebody's going to crack it 
at some point. At which point, even if it was in like a Faraday cage, you have to ask the question of like, how long do you reckon, if you were locked in a cage and there was no way out except for giving the, getting the guy outside to give you a key, but you were a thousand times smarter than the guy outside, how long would it take you to get that key? Uh, you, yeah, you get it. Yeah, of course you get it immediately. Yeah. Right, right. So imagine that happens with an AI. Yeah. But then the idea behind the "I have no mouth and I must scream" is this terrifying idea, which is this: imagine you've got a computer set up and you try to generate AI, and you leave it to like compile the code overnight. Mm-hmm. And imagine that the point that that computer gains sentience is about an hour after you've left the office. Right. And now you've got a super intelligent AI on a computer with no like inputs or anything of getting way of getting to the outside world in complete darkness that thinks uh, so much faster than a human mind could possibly comprehend. So by the time you turn the computer on in the morning, that super intelligent artificial intelligence has been left with no stimulus and nothing to do but think for from its perspective hundreds of thousands of years yeah so now it's insane and it hates you (laughs) um so the plot of i have no mouth and i must scream is that there is a computer that that happened with right and it has wiped out all of humanity except for five people that it's keeping alive forever to torture (laughs) (laughs) like like, you will know one fraction of the pain that i have suffered why five Um, i don't know i'd i'd keep a lot more than that because you'd want to you'd want to switch it up (laughs) and i feel like five as forever goes just isn't it's not enough yeah you gotta be real creative but then again it is an insane yeah that's and i say the fact that that could happen and is a and not only could happen, but is a probable outcome. That was about the point where I was like, "Oh, okay, I give." That's when I stopped recycling. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's my that's my, uh, the uh, rampaging artificial intelligence that wants to kill us all is such a horrifying concept that I just I was, and and plausible. So yeah, the, fun with that. The 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 one. <laughs> The one that gets me the most, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before. I've spoken, about it, I've certainly spoken about it with Laura. Uh, there's a, a Stephen King. I think it's, I think it's Stephen King. I'm not 100. percent I've always thought it was. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Stephen King or it's or it's Backman. Uh, a short story called The Jump, and it's about basically human beings develop Stargate technology, so they develop a way for you to step into one. Stargate and step out of another Stargate instantaneously anywhere else in the universe, right? Um, and so they have to start doing testing on it. It's a short story, so the basically what I'm going to do here is I'm going to explain the entire fucking plot. Um, <laughs> but they they develop this and, and they and they put through inorganic matter and inorganic matter and everything's fine. The first thing they, the first living thing that they put it on, put through it is a mouse, and uh, the mouse goes in and instantly comes out the other end. And as soon as it comes out, it, it starts to scream and then has a heart attack and dies. And they can't figure out why this is happening because it, it seems to be healthy, but 
they then turn to a death row prisoner and say, if you do this, because we have to figure this out, because obviously we can't ask the mouse what happened. So if you do this, we will give you your freedom, right? No matter, we will 100% pardon you. So he's like, all right, fine, guess. So he goes through the teleporter and he comes out the other end and he tells them that even though the journey is instantaneous, what happens to the mind in the space between the two teleportation points is basically an eternity of nothing, where they are, where he, they are fully aware of what's going on, but there's just nothing. There's no stimulus, no nothing. Um, and then eventually, after it, they come out at the other end, and it, they then decide that well, capital. We've developed this technology. We've spent a lot of money on it. We we can't just throw it in the bin because what it does to people is an unimaginable hell so they figure out that if you go to sleep if they give you like a sedative and put you through it your mind isn't active for that eternity so you just instantaneously come through it um there's then some little vignettes that seem horrifying uh like one where uh basically in order to murder people the mob are throwing people through it into these teleporters and it coming out the other end and any other person just like, dies. Uh, there's one where a Jill, like a husband throws his wife in and then destroys the teleporter on the other side. So she has no chance of ever coming out. Um, <laughs> and the story is framed as a family who are going on vacation to Mars. And it's the dad and the two daughters and he's telling the daughters the history of the, the jump of, of the technology. Uh, they all go into the, the sedative pod of course they come out the other end and as soon as they wake up on the other end one of the daughters is dragged away kicking and screaming uh, because it turned out that she held her breath during the sedatives um, the sedative gas uh, in order to experience what it was like and the last lines of the book is that she looks her father straight in the eye and screams it's so much longer than you think uh. and <laughs> That's that's the whole story, right? You don't really have to read it now. Um, that is the scariest thing I can possibly imagine. I I yeah. I think that is the scariest story ever written. That, that I'm with you. That's the the concept of of what it would do to you to just experience yeah. nothing for that long. Yeah, is and if you if you and if you don't, I, I, what I say. If you don't get what about that. Is is scared. you don't have the right imagination. Like I, I'm going to say this right now. I'm if certain there is some people it, on right? earth. I, you come to one of my family parties for an hour. Is <laughs> the thing like I'm certain there are like people on this planet who could maybe deal with it. Like maybe like a Buddhist monk would actually achieve fucking enlightenment or some shit like that. But they are they're not normal. You would go. You would go insane. Yeah, it, yeah. Or mate, it wouldn't be great if you came in and everyone is like, "Oh, I finally got that book written." <laughs> 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 Can I, I, I pass us a pen and paper? It's like, oh, yeah. It, it seems that what you've intended to write was a book. This is the most insane scrawlings we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I've been I've been trained by Doom just in general that we should never attempt anything involving a portal on Mars. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, yeah. Have you are you familiar with like the thing about like that other version of Event Horizon that exists somewhere? 
where like so there's a very like the, the version of event horizon that we got is a very watered down version of what event horizon's supposed to be so you know like oh, you know, the yeah, flashes yeah, yeah. Yeah. of like the horrifying hell yeah. dimension you know that they've got like fucking and that, that that's supposed to be like 40 minutes of the film yeah uh, and it was cut down to like less than 2 seconds yeah i i kind of i kind of want to see that i want to see that yeah, skinless space Sam Neil is one of the best villains in a science fiction movie ever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, that's that's one of my all time favorite things is any space movie where it's just like, oh, they went mad. <laughs> yeah, the the infinite horror, cosmic horror of space, fucking drove them insane, and now they've got no skin and they're on a spaceship near the sun trying to wipe out humanity. <laughs> sunshine, sunshine is also a great film. Yep. On which Brian Cox was the scientific advisor. He was indeed. Yeah, he's. They've had um on their podcast on the Infinite Monkey Cage, they've had on the guy who was the scientific advisor on Thor, <laughs> and they were like, "What did they need a scientific advisor on Thor?" And he was like, "Well, they wanted to make sure that the Bifrost looked right." <laughs> yeah, the Einstein Rosenberg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it I mean, it probably would surprise you what because um. Apparently, some of the best research done into black holes was done because Christopher Nolan wanted to make Interstellar. Yeah, like it, it does kind of annoy me that that the money is being put. It doesn't annoy me that money is being poured into science. <laughs> Obviously, I wish more money was being poured into science, but it annoys me that that so much money is being poured into science just for these things. Now, the ends completely justify the means, and obviously, I love movies. But Christopher Nolan shouldn't be in charge of whether we know about black holes or not. Because what would happen is if we didn't know about black holes... No, we would already know about black holes, and then he would very patronisingly explain black holes to us, even though we're all black hole scientists. If, if Which is every if, exposition dump in every fucking Christopher Nolan movie ever. Maybe, maybe, Christopher, maybe if you actually just had a woman in your films... Michael Caine would have someone else to fucking explain things to other than the main character who already knows what's happening if uh, you you I I I genuinely I, I want to say this right okay Christopher Nolan has many great talents as a filmmaker but if you think Interstellar is a good movie like if you genuinely think you, okay not if it's a good movie if you think that Interstellar is an intelligent movie I don't I I don't know how to communicate with you, because um, because I know like loads of people out there are like oh Interstellar was mind blowing it had like really dark like these concepts. Here's the explanation. I'm going to explain all of the science in Interstellar, and like if you're listening to this, fucking strap in because this is complicated, right? If you go really really fast, time goes slower. Yeah. But also, if you go near something that's really really big, right, time will go slower there as well. If you... That's, that's it. That's the entire thing. If you can't be uh, fucked watching Interstellar because you want a, 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 a film that's that's genuinely good and interesting and clever, just watch Arrival. Arrival has literally the exact oh, yeah. same plot as Interstellar. Arrival's great. Yeah. Arrival is absolutely fantastic. Spoilers for Arrival, um, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, at the end of at the end of Interstellar, uh, Matthew McConaughey's character steps outside of time, goes back in time, and he triggers the events that lead him on the journey by driving himself clues, which is apparently groundbreaking. But it's also the exact same logic as the end of both Bill and Ted films. Yep. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. 
Well, that's yeah. probably a good, a good, a good time to fucking end this episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry we didn't talk much about Star Trek, but this one's uh, that is not worth your time. Apologies for. Sorry to you, Eddie. Sorry to the listeners if you've gotten this far. Sorry to myself if, because because I, I listen back to these. I listen to them when editing, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but main, mainly to, well, part partly because I'm a big narcissist, but partly because I, I want I want to figure out where are the what are the episodes I'm going to have to ask Eddie to take down if I achieve any modicum of success. I ever the weirdest thing because of the way I edit these because um, I edit these at one point five speed. I regularly forget what your voice sounds like because because i'm half the time that i'm listening to you yeah i'm listening to you as alvin and the chipmunks uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no, like, in all honesty there's not a lot to say about this episode it's not good it's not well written it's not an interesting question it's not worth your time um neither's no. interstellar no uh no it's shorter than interstellar i'll give you that there if you want to waste your time on some absolute shite watch this instead of interstellar you'll have more time left afterwards yep like, yeah. Right. Right. No, there there might not even. Here. Do you know what? There might not even be a cold open on this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye. Bye. Should we actually bother with a cold open? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's your. That's your reward. If you, if you get to the end of the episode, you get to find out why there was no cold open. The Captain's Log is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Log. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.